Introduction Your work is to discover your work and then with all your heart to give yourself to it. A quote by Buddha. A successful businessman traveled to India to spend a month working in one of Mother Teresa's shelters. He longed to meet the tiny nun, but Mother Teresa was traveling and it wasn't until the day before his departure that he actually had the opportunity to meet with her. When he found himself in her presence, he was so overwhelmed by her service and contribution that he burst into tears. All the times that he had been self-centered, busy or focused on his own gain flashed before his eyes and he felt an enormous sadness that he had missed so many opportunities in life to give of himself and his resources. Without a word, Mother Teresa walked over to where he was sitting, put her hands on his shoulders and looked deeply into his eyes. Don't you know, she said, that God knows you are doing the best that you can. Work is an integral part of our lives, filled with a variety of experiences. Work is an expression of who we are and signifies and charts our growth as individuals. There is no greater measure of growth than contribution through labor. To be able to find one's purpose or even to serve one's job with passion, drive and heart is a life well lived. In today's stress-filled environment, people have lost on reflection and creative thinking. They are so busy being busy and so stressed being stressed that there is no longer an analysis on the direction that they are headed in, personally or professionally. Since one spends most of his waking hours at work, one must understand that our work shapes our attitudes, it molds our habits, it brings out our personality and recreates our character. If your attitude has taken a plunge and you have developed self-destructive habits and to top it, if you have become a personality that people no longer welcome or a character that does not inspire, then you need to stop and take a break to shift your perspective towards your work. Motivation on the Go is an audiobook that can be heard at no extra time. The entire communication industry is struggling for attention from its audience, be it television, newsprint, radio or social media, because today an individual has more options to focus his attention on and less time to indulge. Keeping in mind the hurry the young professionals have gotten themselves into, the chapters are self-sufficient, which means that you can hear from any track or chapter and still have a complete perspective. The chapters to follow are more of an opinion and perspective. They aren't preachery, but encourage you to think even if it is for a few moments in consideration of your attitude toward your work, colleagues and purpose. If you can be successful at creating a joyous environment at work while creating passion at what you do, then you move up the ladder of contributing toward the wellness and welfare of this planet. For only a person who can learn to get along with people and encourage them to be their best by being an example himself, rises to greatness in all and any of his endeavors. In this audiobook, I have tried to reach out and make a connection with you through all channels possible. I have used my experiences in my workshops to make an analogy of making the workplace better. I have used queries and questions put up to me to help you gain a fresh perspective on your problems. I have used stories of celebrities and people in power to make an impact that success does not need an invitation to be achieved. I have kept my eyes and ears open and bridged the gap to people's heart through my short essays in hope that maybe one point or one story will do the trick in opening up a whole new world for you like it did for me. In my opinion, we are all capable of greatness. Some of us just are not inspired enough. Some of us are just not confident enough or consider ourselves worthy enough to claim it. With this audiobook, even if one person can find his claim to glory, I will consider my contribution a success. Chapter 1. Find your Harry Potter.
I have spent most of my life learning from great people. And I found out that no matter how much we perceive some people as an overnight success, such a phenomena is practically non-existent. It has never been that someone was casually walking on the street and suddenly success hit them. Success is a planned and intentional event. It is sometimes a lifetime's achievement, but it is no accident. On June 26, 1997, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone landed in Britain's bookstores and overnight she became a sensation and today with the series of Harry Potter in print, she has become the first author in the history of the world to have become a billionaire. Some may call it a stroke of luck. But if you look a little closely, you will find that success and luck don't have much in common. J.K. Rowling, better known as Joe, did not have rich and famous parents. Her father had a career in engineering and her mother was a homemaker. Joe had a normal childhood and her passion for reading and writing was evident from her early childhood. She worked at several jobs to earn a living, but used every minute of spare time to pursue her love for writing. It was in 1990 when Joe first conceived the idea of Harry Potter. It was also in 1990 that she painfully saw her mother wither and die of multiple sclerosis. It was the same year that she lost her job at the Chamber of Commerce as a secretary and also her relationship with her boyfriend fell apart. It was in the same year that Joe's house got robbed and the thieves took everything her mother had left her. Despite her world crashing around her, causing her financial, personal and emotional grief, Harry Potter's world did not fall apart for Joe. She still held on to her vision with Harry Potter, who would not see the world until 1997. In 1992, Joe married and gave birth to a baby girl and shortly afterwards, in 1993, her marriage fell apart and Joe found herself again in a personal, financial and emotional crisis. Joe was broke and survived on public assistance and government help with money for food and housing. In 1994, she applied for social security and lived in a miserable place infested with mice and no heating. And there were days when her daughter Jessica ate, but Joe did not. Despite this, Joe worked on creating Harry Potter and his magical world. This would not be ready for print until another three years. Joe would often find herself in depression and her self-confidence went rolling down. What kept her going was her vision with Harry Potter. She worked hard to support herself from one job to another and even pursued her career in further studies, never losing vision of being an author. It was in 1996 that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was complete and met with rejection from 12 publishers. It was the 13th publisher who paid Joe an advance of $2,250 for the rights to publish her book. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was published in 1997. For seven years, J.K. Rowling, as we know her today, did not let go of an idea that struck her in 1990. No challenge, no turmoil, no loss, no humiliation was big enough for her to let go of an idea that she believed in with her heart. What is even more extraordinary is how Harry Potter changed J.K. Rowling's life and the lives of her readers. Ever since the release of the book, every new release of Harry Potter broke records and created world history in book sales. In 2003, a phenomena called Pottermania gripped the world and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the fifth book in the Harry Potter series, became the largest first printing book in history with a first order of 8.5 million copies. Since her first Harry Potter book was published in 1997, J.K. Rowling's books have sold 325 million copies in 64 languages. Five hit movies have wowed young and old audiences alike. 
Overnight, J.K. Rowling became famous as the single mother who had risen from poverty to become the first ever billionaire as an author of children's books, pushing aside many popular and established adult book authors. It took seven years of acute hardship for J.K. Rowling to launch Harry Potter. Those seven years of perseverance, of hanging on to a dream and a vision and not letting it go no matter what has brought her a lifetime of glory and fame and riches. Her children, her family and of course her readers are the direct beneficiaries of her hard work and perseverance. There is no overnight success. The bottom line is that are you willing to let go of those countless hopeless and miserable nights when nothing seems to go your way in light of a dream that you will do anything for to make it a reality? The question is that will you continue to support yourself and your family when your pennies seem low and still hold on and nurture that billion dollar idea whose time will only come seven years later. The last life-changing question is, will you hold on long enough to be an overnight success, even if it is after seven years? Chapter two, be curious about success. I was getting to work the other day and I was caught up in a major traffic jam and everyone knows how frustrating that is, especially when you took the shorter route. But what was funny was that there was a shooting going on in a building and people were slowing down to see who the actors were. That caused the jam. I am amazed at what a curious bunch of people we are. And I'm also amazed that we actually are willing to spend time on mindless curiosity. You will find people curious about who is dating whom, the curiosity about the latest scandals at work is on a high. The soap operas keep on returning to the idiot box with extreme loyalty because of the curiosity they created at the last episode. And the one that steals the best of what for curiosity is the increasing number of registrations at the doors of the fortune tellers because most people are curious on what life holds in store for them. Human beings, like any other species, is curious by nature. Curiosity is what leads to our greatest inventions and curiosity is what led to many of our legendary icons to stardom. So what I am emphasizing is that curiosity is a great virtue to have if it is directed on the path of success. If you must be curious, then be curious about success. Instead of being curious about things that distract you, engage you in meaningless time pass, spreading or being a part of negative propaganda, as a young professional, use your curiosity and hunger to know more as a stepping stone to further your career. Be curious about how you can contribute more. Use your curiosity on a weekly, if not daily basis to see how you can contribute more to your job. There are many ways to get your work done faster, better and more efficiently. Instead of gathering the gossip at the coffee station, put your interest in how you can get your work done faster so you can get home in time to meet your kids while they're still awake. Be curious about how other people are getting their work done faster and making more money. Now, this is a curiosity that will not only serve you, but will also take you closer to your dreams. It is curiosity for convenience that led to the inventions you enjoy the benefits of. Be curious about what is expected of you and exceed that expectation. Instead of picking up the latest office scandal on what is happening to whom, invest your time in finding out from your seniors on what they expect out of you. Having understood that, outperform that expectation. If you really use your curiosity at work constructively, you will discover ways of being the star performer of your office. Be curious about how you can motivate yourself there is so much negativity around us that each one of us become vulnerable to bad moods and temperamental behavior. Be curious on ways to keep yourself motivated and in a high emotional tone most of your time at work.
lead your curiosity to find out how people you admire and mentor handle stress and negativity and adopt that attitude. Be curious about how to make more money instead of complaining and rejoicing in other people's downfall. Channel your curiosity on how you can be more affluent and wealthier. Use your spare time in researching about investment and saving plans. Money is a great avenue for attention and yet people use their curiosity in mediocre places. Be curious about how you can upgrade your job profile. Find and discover ways on how you can upgrade your job profile so you can climb the corporate ladder faster. Look at resumes of positions above you and be curious on how you can acquire those skill sets and work experience. Be curious about your company vision and industry. A lot of people keep information on what is happening in their colleagues' love lives but are totally disconnected with the vision of their company and the scope of their industry. Redirect that time and energy into fathoming potentials of your industry to match the vision you have of your future and the vision of your company. Your curiosity can either make you or break you. Be curious about the right things and you will be creating a better future for yourself. Be a visionary, for a visionary is a naturally curious person who is constantly looking for improving his life and in turn, the lives of many others. Count yourself in the league of people who were so curious about why and how things worked that they changed our world. Chapter 3. Do business like a farmer. I was reading a report published by a business magazine which talked about an analysis that 80% of the businesses that start up shut down in the first year. And out of the 20% that survive, 40% shut down in the next five years. So if you actually calculate, 16 out of 100 businesses survive and thrive. If you take a closer look at this analysis, you will find that the same is true for relationships, for people in jobs, and also for the goals that we set for ourselves. The success ratio thus being 16% in the ventures that we take up in life, whether personal or professional. I believe to be able to change anything, one must first be aware that the problem exists. Awareness is the key. If we look around, we will find the 16% ratio existent in a lot of areas of our lives. So how does one get out of this trap and sustain one's business, relationship, job or goals? It's simple. Follow the farmer's way. A lot of celebrities are following the farming trend, but on a more serious note, there are some rules of farming which when applied to personal and professional life, you will reap a harvest of abundance and well-being. We will call this principle the farmer's way. The farmer's way number one, get potent seeds to sow. A farmer's investments is the seeds that he will sow for his future living. A farmer will never compromise on the quality of the seeds because the quality of the seeds will determine the quality of the harvest. A smart farmer will seek out only the best seeds because he also realizes that the better the quality of the seeds, the more chances of the seeds germinating and growing up into crops. Similarly, your seed for your future is your own talent and skill. Make sure that you have one. If not, get trained in it. Knowledge, skill, talent are all potentials that can magically grow into an empire if nurtured and sold well. Bill Gates had the skill and talent for computers, Henry Ford for cars, Robert De Niro for acting. What is your skill and talent? Invest your interest and time in it. And trust me, it is never too late to begin. The farmer's way number two, Find a suitable soil to sow the seeds. Good seeds can die in a barren land. The smart farmer will find a fertile soil where to sow his seeds. Similarly, a smart employer entrepreneur must find the right vehicle, the right company, the right firm where he can offer his skill to further his career. A lot of young professionals compromise on where they work in hope of a better tomorrow. Please know that tomorrows are built on the seeds we sow today. Compromise today and you will have to compromise tomorrow as well. 
Never settle for less. Get yourself the perfect sowing ground today. The farmer's way number three. Nurture the seeds. To sow seeds today and to expect a banyan tree tomorrow is like living in a fool's paradise. Once the seeds are sown, they need to be nurtured. You may have the talent and the right attitude, but only when nurtured into the work environment will it bear fruit. To expect special incentives and privileges because you have the talent and the knowledge is to set yourself up for a big disappointment. Always remember that you get rewarded for your performance and not your potential. To convert your potential into performance, you have to have patience and you have to put in a lot of hard work. The farmer's way number four, market and sell your harvest. Even after the farmer has had a wonderful harvest, there is still one last step before he is led to abundance. It is marketing and selling his harvest. If he doesn't market and sell it, he is left with the burden of his produce. Similarly, an executive, when he produces well, he has to market and sell himself. It is his business to make his performance and his achievements known and to use it to further his business prospects. There is no lack of performers in our country. What is lacking is their salesmanship in selling themselves further. It is absolutely fair to ask for better returns based on your achievements and performance. And always remember, the produce goes to the best buyer. The simplicity of the farmer's way shows great returns when built in as an attitude. We come from a country where still major bulk of returns come from farming and it's a good idea to capitalize those principles into the corporate world. Chapter 4 Managing Expectations How can I create a healthy balance between doing my best and being happy and also managing the expectations of my seniors? My niece asked me. She has just been promoted as a sales head in a retail firm. The targets are so high and my responsibility is so much greater now. She was very edgy about her ability to even manage her new profile. I think managing expectations is the concern of many, causing them unnecessary stress and doubt. Here are a few tips that will not only take the worry of the steep targets, but will also give you the confidence to deliver them. Number one, accept the expectations. Often people feel that work expectations are enforced upon them. Even though I may have agreed to the steep target, it doesn't mean that I agree with the vision. A colleague complained about the 150% hike in the sales target for the next quarter. The point that a lot of people miss is that expectations go in sync with your profile and your potential. If your senior thinks that it is possible for you to achieve the results that he envisions, then his expectation will only help you grow. You grow when you deliver more, when you deliver on time and when you deliver excellence. Accept the expectations as an opportunity to become a star performer. Can you imagine the magic that you would create in your career if you could actually deliver the expectations of your seniors? Number two, accept your ability to handle it. Don't cave yourself into overwhelm with the results expected from you. Don't upfront refute your ability to handle the targets. If you do so, then you are your own enemy. When expectations are high, you must understand that if your senior did not consider you fit to deliver, he would not have considered you for the project. Accept it that you do have the ability to handle the expectations. The question now is not whether you can do it or not. That has already been established. The question now is that are you willing to handle it? Number three, share your limitations and share your willingness to overcome them. Once your willingness is stated, it is good to evaluate your ability to handle the project expected. If you feel that you do not have the required ability, resources or time to handle the project, discuss that with your seniors. I work 10 hours a day and as much as I'm willing, I need help to make the time to do this. 
is a great way to team up with your seniors than sulking over how unfair life is and cursing your bosses. Seek their help to make you more able and confident instead of seeking to lower their expectations. The former will make you an asset. The latter will make you a liability. Number four, give feedback and intervals and seek your boss's intervention if need be. When expectations are high, so are challenges in execution. If things become rough or don't go as planned, it is okay to stop and consult your seniors and ask their opinion. Don't wait to fail or the project to fall apart. I would suggest that get your seniors agreement that you will consult him if you are stuck. I know you trust me with this project. I'm going to do my best to deliver, even if that means to learn new skill sets. However, if I feel stuck or held up at any point, please allow me the liberty to consult you. This is a great way to have your boss as an ally rather than an executioner. Number five, improvise on your failures. Success is not an absolute and may elude you several times before it pays your visit. Should your work fall short of expectations, evaluate your boss's disappointment and figure your growth steps in order to meet them the next time around. Where do you think I fell short? How do you think I could have done this better? Is there a training you would suggest in order for me to improve my skills? This kind of attitude is much appreciated and takes the focus off the failure and puts it into progress and development. Expectations will follow you through your whole life. Whether you're a son, husband, father, executive or CEO, the world is expected from you. When you refute that, you fail as a son, as a husband, as a father and as an executive. I would go further and say that even you have expectations from your son, your father, your wife, your subordinates. Never forget that expectations are two-sided. You are at both ends, the receiving and the giving. When you take full responsibility of handling expectations, then you will not only prosper in your professional life, but also in your personal life. Chapter 5. Do your own PR. In today's times, war has become more subtle. There is no longer war to acquire countries. Corporate warfare is in now, where brands are fighting for consumer attention, where products are fighting for shelf space, where CEOs are fighting for higher shares and employees are fighting for the same position on the top. So how does one win in a scenario where everybody wants a share of your desire, your position, your income, if not to run you over in this race. Research has shown that talent and qualifications remaining constant, people who are more outgoing have greater levels of confidence and excellent PR skills are the ones who walk away with the biggest piece of the pie. So investment in self-development today has become necessary for success. I strongly suggest that if you want to move up the ladder faster, you need to be very good in your PR skills. Personal PR in the corporate world means building goodwill and public relations within the organization and also in the industry you work for. In a world where everyone is pressed for time, people have no time to understand or evaluate you. So whatever you project to them, they will judge you based on that. Now is when PR skills become ever so necessary. Here are some advantages of doing your own PR. Number one, you get noticed. Number two, you influence other people's judgment about you. Number three, you build goodwill in your work environment. And doing your own PR is a very healthy exercise because when you spread words of goodwill about yourself, you need to live up to it too. This keeps your performance, attitude and achievement in check on the path to delivery by your own declaration. It's a nice way of setting down your expectations from your own self. Here are some easy ways to do your own PR. Some people mistake doing PR as blowing one's own trumpet. This is not the time for modesty and waiting for others to discover you. It is the time to announce your arrival and you better be worthy of that announcement. 
you will see that the tips I will tell you at no point reflect arrogance. They are a mix of attitude and grace and I feel everyone should master it. Number one, power dress. Dress for success every day. Remember this, no matter where you are, people are watching you and judging you even by the way you dress. The ideal measure of your dress code must be on the pretext that today is going to be the most important day of your life. Power dressing adds confidence and that extra edge in your attitude than the sloppy or routine dressing would steal. Number two, smile always. We naturally get attracted to people who appear happy and enthusiastic. We repel people who wear a frown and look depressed. Happy people are human magnets and your goodwill and worth rises when people like you and want to be around you. Number three, empower others and always be encouraging. If you want to be successful, this is the mantra you must chant. Empower, uplift, encourage. Only big people, people who are successful and people of great wisdom find in themselves the strength to empower and encourage others. It is the mark of success. A person who is not success-minded can never empower others, let alone himself. When you empower others, the single most evident beneficiary is you, for you cannot give that which you do not have. Number four, be interesting. I have seen that people have nothing to share because there is nothing exciting about their lives. Do exciting things and share them. People thrive on stories and soaps, so you can be the daily soap of entertainment and excitement at your workplace. If your life has no spice in it, add it. Making your life exciting is just a matter of perspective and creativity. Number five, share your vision and your goals. To share your vision and goals with your colleagues, you must have one. Sometimes sharing professional goals can create jealousy amongst colleagues. But sharing of one's personal goals and vision wins great support. It brings you closer to people and you will be surprised at the professional backing you would also get as a result of it. Number six, be interested in others. Oftentimes people just don't care. They don't spend time building relationships or even being courteous. Being interested in others means building enough rapport with other people where they can keep open communication with you. When your level of communication increases, it increases the level of affinity between people. The more people like you, the more you will be successful. Number seven, promote others. Have good things to say about others at all times. Highlight people's good qualities when you speak with them. Talk good things behind their backs. The best way to be popular is to always promote others. Only insecure people don't appreciate or promote others in the fear that they will be left behind. When you promote others, you will always be ahead of the line. Number eight, add value. Find ways to add value to people's lives. Keep your ears open on what is needed and deliver that without being asked. There is no greater favor that you can do for another than to add value without having been asked to do so. You will win more hearts than you ever could by just being sensitive enough to contribute. As much as I have spoken about doing your own PR to forward your career prospects and goodwill, it must be a genuine effort. People have the knack of smelling out fake compliments and hidden agendas. Your honesty and sincerity and building your goodwill by doing good to others is what will raise your popularity quotient and make a better human being out of you. And that by default will bring you the glory that you deserve. The PR will be just a vehicle toward your greatness. Chapter six. The art of doing nothing. Everyone at some point of their career feels that things get too much and one loses perspective of his work and sometimes even his purpose. All effort seems to be moving in circles. Work doesn't make sense. Your temper is hitting the roof. You don't like the way you look. People are avoiding you and your boss doesn't like your work. And to top the shady scenario, 
you're working long hours, getting exhausted, putting on or losing weight and getting frustrated by the hour. At this point, the best thing to do is nothing. As much as one must be disciplined and inclined toward hard work, every once in a while, one must also practice the art of doing nothing. It's simple to practice and has many benefits, but done too often will leave you with nothing. Here are some tips. Give it a try to sort out your life. Number one, take a walk. Taking a walk may be simple and has benefits far greater than you can ever imagine. When you do, make sure you leave your cell phone and any contactable device behind. No gadgets, just you. Just to walk and acknowledge the world around you can be healing for some. In being so caught up with work and all that takes our attention, we have unknowingly cut ourselves from the world. Number two, watch a movie. Watch that movie you wanted to watch since a long time. Get a DVD or better still, go to the theater the old-fashioned way. Go with someone you feel good around. Switch off your mobile phone and do nothing but bathe in the larger-than-life story for a few hours. If you allow yourself to be fully entertained, it would have washed away a lot of frustration and accumulated emotions from the surface of your true potential. Number three, get a massage. A lot of people associate massages with spas and expensive salons. If you can afford that, then make sure you treat yourself. But even getting a warm head massage or a foot massage can do the trick of getting your mind wiped clear. And make sure that you switch off all stress-inducing devices at that time, such as the mobile phone. The last thing you want is your boss interrupting your rejuvenation process. Number four. Indulge and sin over your favorite meal. You will be surprised at how we have been so busy being busy that we have not had a decent meal in peace without multitasking between phone calls, work and other issues that steal our attention from our own lives. One day, just eat and do nothing else while you're doing that. No hurry, no worry, just eat. Number five, revive old hobbies. Refresh your hobbies, even if it is just for a day. Dust off that old guitar and strum off timelessly till you are accused of causing stress to others. Reignite that hobby, even if it is looking up the old pictures of your then photography craze or digging up your old stamp collection. Having a hobby is one of the greatest stress busters. Indulge in paint and sketch or sing or write or whatever. Relive the joy that you had given up on. Number six, family time. One evening, just chat up with your family or go meet some relatives. Be careful though, meet them with an agenda and your agenda must be to do nothing. Take some old pictures or videos of your time together and just ruminate in the old and fun memories of the yesteryears. Number seven, sleep. Sometimes when you're physically and mentally drained, the best thing to do is sleep. Sleep in with the curtains drawn, alarm clocks off and mobile phones away. And when do you wake up? When you are done sleeping, of course. A well-rested body hosts a healthy mind. Revive your body and give it the rest it deserves. Number eight, cook. I know some of you would run away at the mention of that, so this applies well to the ones who don't cook or haven't cooked in months. Cooking is a guaranteed way to get your life back in perspective. It is one of the greatest arts of doing nothing. And for those who cook regularly, when I say cook, I mean experiment a different cuisine. Dessert, perhaps. And if you're a first-timer in the kitchen, keep a home delivery number ready. But either way, you will feel good. So get up and do nothing. This is one art you would want to indulge in occasionally, but not the one you would want to master. Chapter 7. Win more than you lose. I was doing a workshop once for a multinational company and it was truly one of my best workshops. What was even more exciting was that Mr. Kapil Dev was also a speaker at the same conference. His talk was right after my session. I was absolutely looking forward to hearing from the legendary cricketer himself. Needless to say, that session I did, everything was perfect. The workshop delivery, the audience participation, the content, the impact. It was one of those days where I could rate my work as beyond 
excellence. Except that when I ended my session, I was to call on stage the CEO of the company who was to do the introduction for Mr. Kapildev. As I announced for the CEO to come on stage, I forgot his name. It is one of those moments in my life that still comes back to haunt me. I was standing on stage in front of 500 people, delivered a beyond excellent workshop, riding high, and then suddenly while calling the CEO, I stopped dead after Mr. I had no recollection of what his name was. I fumbled and I asked him from my mic, what's your name, sir? It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. The show went on, the CEO came on stage and made a joke about my error and all was covered up. But I went backstage, totally disheartened. Suddenly, my victory of a two-hour session meant nothing in the light of a 20-second error. The client came backstage and shook his head at my goof-up. My two hours of beyond excellence was wiped out in 20 seconds of negligence. And such is life. It was then that Mr. Kapildev walked up to me and said, It's alright to make mistakes. I have created history in the field of cricket. I am still remembered for my legendary performance and delivery. I have scored sixes on the first ball, delivered hat-tricks and... I have also been clean bowled on the first ball and disappointed many with my less than expected performance. But people still remember me. I just had to make sure that the times that I played miracle matches were more than when I delivered disappointing performance. Every day is not Sunday. Winning is not about winning every match. It is about winning enough matches to shine through history. I pride myself at being a motivation and inspiration to many. But that evening, Mr. Dave saved me from beating myself rotten. I have always remembered that lesson. I must win more than I lose. I can't win every time. Expecting to win every time, expecting never to make a mistake, is guaranteeing yourself severe setbacks and depression. Learning from mistakes and moving on to be bigger and better is the key to real success. My message to you is this. Don't be disheartened when you make a mistake. Don't be disheartened when you are judged on your 20-second mistake and not for your two months of hard work. Don't be disheartened when people forget all your year's goodness in light of a single goof-up. Get up and create more goodness. Stand up and walk taller. Score more than you can ever be counted losing for. Win more than you lose. Cause more goodness and gain than you cause a loss. Love more than you hurt. Deliver more than you damage. For that is the true making of a legend, wherever you are. Chapter 8. Push Your Luck I believe that luck is a matter of intention, strategic action and abundance of outflow. If you really want it and are willing to work on it and if you create enough outflow on it, you will get the results you desired. Luck isn't an act of randomity. Getting something for nothing is the general definition of luck by the people who have convinced themselves that circumstances are bigger than their ability to overcome them. There sure are people who are hit by that stroke of luck, but they don't survive long with it. So how does one get lucky? By pushing it. Push your luck. What is the worst that can happen that isn't happening already? If you want work, ask for work. What is the worst that can happen? You won't get it, right? But then you don't have it anyway. So asking isn't going to make it any worse. Here are three formulas for you to get lucky. By pushing your luck. Luck formula number one. Outflow equals inflow. If you want to create more clients, if you want to sell more, if you want to earn more, go out and create a bigger outflow. If 20 no's bring you one yes, then if you want 10 yeses, you need to wade through 200 no's. That's the only math you need to be good at to see success. When you see the guy who got 10 yeses, you think he's lucky. 
But if you look close enough, you will find the 190 no's he's discarded to get to the success you so envy today. Luck formula number two, negotiate, push your luck. Even when you're in a tight spot, negotiate. Don't settle for less without pushing your luck first. If the client doesn't want to buy what you're selling, ask for a reference. If he asks for a discount, push him to buy two to justify the lowered price. If the client doesn't want to buy from you at all, make a friend. Either way, get something out of that interaction. Put yourself in the habit of pushing your luck and you will get lucky more often. Luck formula number three. Positivity is the breeding ground for luck. Don't compare yourself with failures and negativity. Use pitfalls and discouragements to find points of improvement. Don't trap yourself with the question, what did I do wrong? The question that will get you lucky is, how can I do this better the next time around? Dig for betterment, fish for positive correction, go for higher standards and you will be ahead of your own expectations. Well, I'm looking at closing this month with the highest number of workshops ever delivered in my career. And I am pushing my luck to exceed my own expectations for that is real success to deliver more than what I believed I could. I'm willing to be surprised by my own performance. I know our paths are interconnected and should there be a possibility of creating additional value for your teams and motivating them towards superpower performance, you know that I'm just a click away. I'm feeling lucky. Are you? Chapter 9. Put your best foot forward. The end always marks a new beginning for those who choose to create one. You don't have to wait for the end of the year to start anew to give yourself one more chance at things you couldn't do or want to do better. New Year resolutions are cliched statements anyways for those who wait for the end of the year to wake up. You can start afresh in this moment. Let this new moment mark a new beginning of purpose, passion and power. Here are some ideas to start strong and stay ahead starting right now. Number one, get a new power friend. Friends are the building blocks of our personality. They influence our purpose and shape our decisions. Whoever said, show me your friends and I will tell you who you are, was right. To start anew, drop the ones who have only brought slug and sorrow in your life. When my nephew said, my friends tease me at work and make me feel bad, my answer was, then they are not your friends. Friends inspire, encourage and empower and are mirrors of honesty for you. Their company ignites in you the desire to be better for that's what they themselves stand for. Be vigilant about who you allow into your friends list and make amends should some have fallen out of sync with you. Number two, get a new look. There is no better time for self-indulgence than now. Get a new wardrobe. When I wore my new set of business suits for my meetings, I felt confident and superior. A colleague who returned from a shopping spree abroad said, get your hair styled, visit a skin specialist, revamp your diet and coach your cook or family to go in for healthy options. There is no greater and faster route to confidence than a personal makeover. Invest in how you look and keep a quarterly maintenance on it. Number three, plan your vacation. Never forget the primary purpose of your job. That is your own happiness. Plan a vacation for the year. It's better to lock a vacation and let your company know in advance. That way you have a heads up to create the necessary budget for it and time to plan out your professional responsibilities. I have seen that as the months progress, pressures begin to mount and the vacation becomes an impossibility. Don't compromise your own time to live, enjoy and be happy. Make that decision now. Number four, make an investment. Money will never be enough, even for the world's richest people. Do something different and drastic. Make a financial investment. Set yourself a target to fill that back. Just put some money aside for later use. Money is a tricky thing. If it sits idle, it flows out. Plug the potential leak. It might just come in handy for a luxurious family vacation or the new car that seemed out of reach. 
Well, the above actions lead to enhance your self-confidence starting today. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. For it is known that confident people are usually happy and make wiser choices and cleverer decisions. Start anew. Start today. Start now. Chapter 10. Turn the Tables Having a dream, creating a vision, setting up targets, this is the most pleasurable part of designing your future and charting the journey forward. The real test of your purpose and your commitment to your dreams comes when you're faced with challenges and obstacles that threaten you to wake up to a reality you don't want to confront, failure, hardships, and stress. When things get tough, turn the tables. When challenges present themselves, Confront and solve them. When obstacles block your way, use them as stepping stones to move forward. When people pull you down, rise above them. Here are some ideas that I suggest which will help you turn the tables no matter how tough a situation you find yourself in. Number one, discuss the challenge. When you find yourself in a tight spot and your goals seem blurry, it's time to make a call to your friends and colleagues and get their opinion on plausible solutions to your problems. Ever so often, their solutions won't help. But what will help disrupt the situation is your understanding of the problem as you repeatedly discuss it. Sometimes people are not able to find solutions to their problem because they haven't understood it completely. In discussing the problem, people are able to spot the real issue and that is the key to finding a solution. Number two, protect positivity. When things go wrong, huddle up tighter for positivity and support. The worst thing to do when you are bombarded with negativity is to start blaming each other. Unhappy people make more mistakes. You wouldn't want a depressed pilot on your flight, right? When hikers are caught in the mountain storm, they huddle up, they use each other's warmth to survive and let the storm pass. If you don't lose your head, you won't lose your people and you won't lose your vision. Number three, write to refuse alternate realities. Hold on to your truth and your dream no matter how much others may say it is impossible or futile. J.K. Rowling didn't abandon or alter Harry Potter when publisher after publisher turned her down. Keep moving on. You don't need everyone on your side. You need the ones who matter. And you will know them with the sparkle in their eyes when you present your vision to them. Number four, set yourself up for success. A seed needs a perfect environment to grow. Without the perfect setting, the potential of life remains dormant. A dream needs positivity to keep it alive. Don't wait for the correct circumstances to align. Don't gamble with chance. Create it. Surround yourself with positivity. Ensure you have your daily dose of inspiration. A goal needs your energy to progress forward. Look after your health every day. A vision needs a daily feed of excellence. Give only your best or nothing at all. Number five, be a master of plan F. Plan A is usually the one that gets badly badgered for it is the obvious route, the crowded one. Majority of the obstacles present itself on plan A, but if you are prepared up to plan F, you will find that the road less taken is the fastest road forward. No matter what you do, no matter how big the dream, no matter how far you may be from them, you can get there. Will it be easy? Maybe not. But I can guarantee you this. The journey will surely be worth it. Thank you for listening to this audiobook. This connection doesn't have to end. Please do stay in touch. You can read my books. I have written 10 inspirational books that have won 23 international awards. Or come attend one of my workshops. Come walk on fire with me. You are on the journey. You are on the way to fulfilling your purpose and making the world a better place. It is not an accident that we have connected. And I consider myself a privilege for having been a part of your journey thus far. Thank you for making me a part of your life.